Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Hope you're having a good weekend and I hope you are finding something where you feel like you're on mission for God. And whether it's in your home, uh, maybe your local church or a ministry that you're involved in, do it with all your heart. Whatever you find your hand to do it, do it with all your might. Here on Exploring Missions, our desire is to help you to identify the areas of ministry that God's called you to, how he's equipped you, and to prepare you for God's desire for your life. Our co-host is Nathan Harper. And Nathan, when we look at what God wants us to do, he also uses there's some preparation that's going on too as well, isn't there? Yeah, we might not realize we're being prepared, but even now, whatever it is we're going through is preparation for what's coming down the road. That's amazing. And one of the, the our biblical example today is the Apostle Paul. Yes, he had the road, a Damascus Road experience, and he had the shackles to fall from his eye. But then it seems he went into at least a period of preparation for what God would have him to do. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, he is sharing part of his story. You know, all of us have a story. Mm-hmm. And and Paul had that down pretty good before King Agrippa or who Vestas or whoever it might be. Uh, he had that story down. But in the Galatians, he relates about the fullness of that, not only in his conversion, but also, I would say, in his discipleship, that he spent close to three years in Arabia. We don't know everything. He doesn't go into detail about what all he did there, but it looked like he was kind of in a school there. He'd already studied at the feet of Gamaliel, but now it seems like he's studying at the feet of Jesus there in Arabia through the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And, you know, there's lots of speculation about the timeline of this in Galatians 1, this part of Paul's story post-conversion, pre missionary journeys in that period. There's lots of speculation of different timelines. What was Paul doing at that time? How was he learning all the things that he learned? And no, no we don't know for sure. Even reading this is, is hard to uh, lay it out in our own minds specifically. But the point is, yeah, he was being prepared by the Lord Jesus Christ. And even then, Paul knew kind of what his trajectory of his life and ministry would entail, he knew he was going, he was being sent to the Gentiles. So, you know, I do wonder if part of what he was doing was going back and looking at all the Old Testament passages where God revealed his heart for all nations, all peoples, and specifically had called Israel to be a light to the Gentiles, and how then Paul, hearing the story of Jesus, literally meeting Jesus, how that all tied in and, you know, just put it together. It is. It fits. Uh, the key here, I believe, about what he did during that period of time, don't know exactly how he did, as you said, we don't know, 
But chapter 1 of Galatians, verse 16, the first phrase, to reveal his son in me. That whole period of time, regardless of how it was done, was revealing Jesus Christ. I couldn't help but think of the two on the road to Emmaus when Jesus was talking to them. He just opened up the scriptures and showed showed them who he was in the Old Testament. I just feel like you're right on when you say that's exactly what Paul, Paul already knew the scriptures, and now he was looking at it from a completely different perspective. It was Christ being revealed and the rest of it to the nations. Before he had studied it, and it was all about the Jewish people and how God had blessed them, and he thought they were the center of everything, but God's the center, and he was just using the Jewish nation to carry that message, and now he's going to use Paul. So when Barnabas goes up to uh, Antioch to find out what was going on up there, he w- he wasn't there long, and he said, you know who I need to go get? I'm working with these Gentiles, and I'm working with these some Jews. I know somebody that knows both worlds, and yeah. he went and got Paul, didn't he? Paul was uh, shaped by God specifically. He was prepared by God for this purpose, and Antioch was a great starting point for Paul, if you want to say getting his feet wet in ministry, uh, among Jewish brothers and sisters, among Gentile brothers and sisters, Paul grew up as a, one, he was a Roman citizen, and then two, he grew up in and among, surrounded by Greek and Gentile culture, but he was also Jewish and a, I mean, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he knew the Old Testament front and back. And so what a man shaped by God for this purpose. And today on our interview, we're going to hear about a man that God shaped and called and in a way calls back to an area to minister to those that need to know Christ. And God does that. It's not always easy, is it? No, it's not easy. There's difficulties all along the way. Paul experienced lots and lots of difficulties, and that's an understatement. Wherever God calls you to, there's going to be challenges and difficulties. But, you know, one difficulty, one way to look at it, a difficulty you might be going through now is preparation for future difficulty. God doesn't waste anything, does he? And he gets you through, and he takes you to another one. But it's ultimately for his glory, for his purposes. To reach the nation. Yeah, it's it's for people to hear and see a proclamation and a demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's always our enjoyment to get to meet people who God is using around the world. And uh, you never know which continent they may be on. Uh, We've been able to interview people from Africa, from Europe, from Asia, South America, here in North America, even one that's been to Australia. So we've hit everything about except Antarctica here on Exploring Missions the last few years. And uh, today we have with us someone from South America and specifically the country of Ecuador. And uh, for those of us who kept up with missions, Ecuador is right there that we can look at and learn to see how God works and how God turns difficulties into something that he turns into good. And I praise God. And God's still working in Ecuador. God hasn't uh, stopped uh, working, and I praise the Lord for that. So our guest today is a missionary to Ecuador, Blake Bess. Welcome, Blake. 
Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we want to hear your story. Uh, one of the most interesting things that I love to talk to missionaries about is their story, how they came to Christ, and how now they're serving as a missionary. Would you mind sharing that with us today? Sure. I had heard the Word of God from my grandparents and from my parents on multiple occasions in my early childhood, but my first memory of having trusted in Christ and been saved by God's grace was when I was 10 years old, and I was taken to a little Sunday school group, and there was a man, his name is Ed Widener, and this was back in the year 2000, and he shared the gospel, and I remember almost like it was yesterday, him inviting everyone. He said, you can tell God the Father that you are believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, and this is the moment of eternal life for you. And I remember trusting in Jesus Christ and then saying, okay, I'm a child of God. I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm so grateful to God of having that salvation and then also that personal relationship with Him from an early age. But there was another thing that also happened in that Sunday school class, and it may have even been the first day that I heard the gospel, but I remember him saying, one of y'all here today might have the calling to be a pastor. <laughs> and if you do, Amen. then your life is one of studying and teaching the Word of God. And it was hilarious because I felt like he was talking to me and I said, well, I hope that's not me. Yeah. Hey, Jeremiah, guess what? His calling came before he was even born. <laughs> Yours came early, but not quite as early as Jeremiah's. Not you know? that early. Yeah, God, but God had his hand on you. And that was when you were? 10 years old. 10 years old. And uh, when Christ comes in to your life, even as a 10-year-old, has your life changed? Yes, because it gave me a personal relationship with God that... I did not have previously. And there's just no comparison to just walking along and having even maybe a Christian background or a Christian family and being aware of Bible stories and things like that, or actually personally thinking about your fellowship with God on a daily basis and Him intervening and working in your life, and you can see His hand in every circumstance, although you're not necessarily always precisely in His will where you're supposed to be. But... It's definitely an amazing blessing that's immediately placed in your soul and that also then protects and guides your life afterward. I mean, I found I find that amazing. I was just two years older than you when I came to Christ. And you look back and you all of a sudden can connect the dots. <laughs> you don't know that those dots are being connected while you're living it. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on your journey, you see, oh, I see this. I see that. Right. God already had that perspective to begin with. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like someone said the parade. If we're watching a parade going down Main Street, we only see one band or one float at a time. But God's view is from high up and he sees the beginning, what's in the middle and the very end. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what he's done with our lives. And he makes sure they connect. So you've been saved. Where are you living at this time? I was living in, I believe it was Newport News, Virginia. Virginia. And God was working there. So out of that, you began to grow in the Lord some? I began to grow in the Lord a little bit. 
Yeah. I can't say that it was quite as focused as looking <laughs> backwards I would have liked it. Yeah, because hey, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that are identifying <laughs> with you right now. It's not like it's a complete gap, but it's like, Certainly. man, the grace of God that saves it's us amazing. and keeps us until, isn't it? Yes, sir, because I had my own plans, I <laughs> yeah. had my own ideas, and I certainly wasn't walking in the appreciation and in the gratefulness that just gives so much more meaning to life. Instead, I I had this wonderful gift from God, and I was glad to have it. But it was almost like, okay, well, God, I can appreciate you giving me this, but I'm not sure about all that other stuff that they say. (laughs) You mean we like to select and choose? (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) I'm afraid we do. But, okay, God, you've already felt that calling in your life that you experienced. Could I be that one? I don't want to be that one. Right. How did you become that one that God was calling? Well, so I I had a couple of different careers and jobs that I wanted to follow. and, And I had just enough fellowship with the Lord that I'd be in one job. And then I would say, well, I don't think this is where God wants me to be. And I'd be in another one and I'd say, well, I don't think this is where God wants me to be. And then some of the other ones where I couldn't figure out wasn't where God wanted me to be. I just didn't have any success either and kind of was going in circles. And my whole family ended up moving to Ecuador in 2009. My father retired. He was a firefighter in Newport News, and he retired, and the whole family moved to Ecuador. And while I was in Ecuador, I worked first as an English teacher, later as a translator. Then I worked as a tour guide. And got to see a lot of the country, got to be really exposed to a lot of the culture. And I kept having a yearning to be able to do something more significant. And I really wanted to serve the Lord. But, and it's something that I know affects a lot of people. A lot of people think that they can't be a missionary or they can't share the gospel or that that's for someone else or that's for the guys who are a special person. And let me just say this briefly. It's really not about special people as much as a special God. And so you have ordinary people who trust in a special God, and certainly God gives to them talents and God gives to them abilities, but he really wants us to just trust him and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit of God that's leading us and guiding us and who gave us our spiritual gift when we were saved. And I really didn't figure all that out until already living in Ecuador, which usually this is backwards. This is not the way things usually go, but living in Ecuador. You know, usually doesn't always register with God. (laughs) The unusual, yes. The usual, no. (laughs) You're right. And so there I am living in Ecuador. And at the time I was actually training in martial arts and I met a missionary who needed to take some martial arts classes because he had been robbed while he was in Quito, the big city. And He was there doing a little bit of training and trying to get a little bit fit. And I met this missionary and he asked me if I would help him. And actually at the time, I wasn't so inclined to do so, but we had an instructor who was from South Africa and he was a judo instructor. And he was a Christian man who decided to help out with this mission. And because he was helping out, it really touched my heart and I decided to help out as well. But I still didn't really want to get too involved And this missionary asked me again, well, wouldn't you help us with our Sunday school? Hmm. And I'll just 
go backwards a little bit. When I was in my later teens, I really felt strongly that I wanted to study the scriptures more. I wanted to know more, but I didn't want to do more. And I know wanted there's, to know more. I wanted to know more. I just but not do more. But not do more. <laughs> and I know there's some Christians who are at that point too. And yeah. I really would love to just encourage them to recognize if God wants you to know more, and if you feel that hunger, then. God wants you also to do more. He doesn't give you knowledge just for knowledge's sake. He gives it to you to use it. Preach it, brother. Amen. Amen. And so I had done a lot of studying, and I was even interested in going to seminary, but I was sure that it wasn't because I had a calling to preach. But sure enough, this missionary, he asks me if I would help in Sunday school. And I said, well, I really don't have time. And that next week, I broke my rib training. And I had a month and a half that I could do nothing other than just help this missionary. I said, well, you've got a month and a half. And by the end of a month and a half, I didn't want to go back and do anything else. I just wanted to be right there in the mission. And I dedicated all of my time to the mission just because I enjoyed it so much and because I could see the hand of God in the life of this missionary. His name is Lou McKenney. He's from Tennessee. His home church is Beach Springs Baptist Church. And he has a small missionary organization called Wilderness Baptist Missions. Wilderness Baptist. Do they have a website by any chance, or do you I know? I don't believe so. Oh, okay, but it's Wilderness it. Baptist Missions. They so, do have a Facebook page that's public. Okay, you need to write that down and add that to your prayer list. Those of you that are prayer warriors for missionaries around the world, Wilderness Baptist Missions. Baptist Missions. Amen. And so he asked me if I would help him, and I just was there helping him more and more. And little bit by little bit, I was, I, in fact, God even made all of the other work that I had basically disappear. And at that point, I didn't really have much of a way to survive. I was just helping out and I wasn't even really consciously making a decision to become a full-time missionary. (laughs) And at that time I was about to basically not have anything even to be able to eat. And my dad says to me, well, you know what, if you're going to do this full-time, I'm going to help you out. And so God just started giving to me support to be able to be a full-time missionary. And it was, it was a year later that we had a team come down from Tennessee. And I can't remember if it was that year or the following one that I was ordained into the gospel ministry. And I remember when I had the discussion with this other missionary and he said to me, well, if you think it's a good idea, we have this group coming down and you could be ordained. We really didn't have a really deep conversation. It was one of those. We were just working together every single day. And he just asked me really simply. And I said, well, I just want to do whatever God wants me to do. Right. And that's how I got into it. And I am so happy that God just, just grabbed me, picked me up and put me where he wanted me to be because I wasn't listening as, as much as I should have. And I know a lot of people can identify that maybe sometimes we're not listening and, but God, he knows exactly what to do and he picks us up and he puts us right there. He gives to us the ability by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm so grateful to God that I can preach the gospel of Christ. You know, I heard three things and I want to bring those out for those who are listening and you're wondering, does God have something for me? Is there something else? One was, you, you wanted to know more. When you know more about his word and you're saved, you get to know him more. And when you know him more, you start recognizing his voice better. 
We have a lot of people that are calling in on the other program that I do called Exploring the Word, and they will want to know how how will I know God's voice from my own voice and from the call of the world. And it, I, I want to just tell you, one, it will be backed up by the Word of God, but the other is it, my sheep hear my voice. And how does the sheep hear know the voice of the shepherd? By spending time with him. When you start getting into his word, you're going to spend time with him. And then all of a sudden, that becomes clear. The second thing I heard, you were serving him. You weren't sitting idly by, twiddling your thumbs and saying, okay, Lord, I'm waiting. Yes, you wait, but you wait serving him. And if you don't know exactly where do you serve him, uh, you just start serving. Uh, if you're here in the States, start serving in the nursery, start serving in the children, start serving in the youth, start serving with the adults, start helping the senior adults, help those that are widowed, uh, say pastor or if it's a staff person, uh, is there any widows that I can go and help mow their yards? Can I help those that don't know how to work on their car? Is there anybody I can help? Start serving. You were doing that, right? You were yes, serving. Sir. Now, again, that's where God's, you, you know, it's not necessarily a calling. I, I'm not disassociating uh, or denying you, but it's a revelation. Mm. God, as you know him and as you serve him, guess what God does? He reveals the next step mm-hmm. and you take it by faith. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Yes. And sir. we've got people who are listening to us today, Blake, that that's what they're doing. And that's where God will lead you to the next step. It may be a place. It may be a ministry. It may be a project. It may be a people group. But God is going to lead you into an area of service where your passion and your heart is completed. Let me just give a small example. Yes. The first thing that I did to help in the church was... I walked in there and they were actually fixing up a small building and they said, what would you like to do? And I said, whatever y'all would like me to do, I'm just available. I'm here. And I don't have any kind of specialty in construction or in renovation of buildings, but they gave me a work to do on one of the walls and I just did it. And sometimes we're a little bit scared of doing things. Maybe we don't have a specialty in, but I knew that they just needed help. So I was ready to do whatever it was. And that's how it started out. You know, I, some people may not appreciate this, but raising three sons that I did, we did see the movie Karate Kid. And what Mr. Miyagi would teach him, uh, wax on, wax off, <laughs> wax on, wax <laughs> off. And and, and it, far as he was doing, it was doing nothing, you know. But all the time it was preparing him for, you was talking about martial arts Earlier in learning that, it was teaching him, and he did not even know he was being taught. And sometimes that's the way it is with us, Blake. We're there just saying, what do you want me to do? We want you to sand this wall. Uh, We want you to carry out uh, this lumber. Uh, We want you to bring the water you know, to to the people who are working. And you say, this is mundane. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> but all the time, God is teaching you something that is going to be invaluable that he's going to use to change the world. Isn't that amazing? That's, That's our awesome. God. One more thing I want you to serve, uh, talk about is is the the connection with the church, that connection with the pastor. Mm-hmm. And you're still connected because they came you got connected, and they connected you with them. And now that connection goes both ways, doesn't it? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. We're very blessed to have a group come down, if not every year, every other year and visit us. I'm coming back and visiting the States for the first time. God's really blessing me to be able to come and visit the church there, also to visit some other churches that we've made fellowship with, and all, and primarily through missions. They were there working and serving the Lord, and we met them, and they said, come back and come and visit us, and we want to have this personal fellowship with you. And that fellowship, I can definitely say, is so important, and we see it in Scripture, but sometimes I think we overlook it. Looking at the fellowship the Apostle Paul had with the churches and all those men and women that he named by name, he loved and cherished these brethren, and I do too, and I always tell these groups when they come down that one of the biggest things that they provide when they do and then also when I get to see them is just... That strengthening and fellowship with the brethren, it really strengthens me to see their faith and their love in Christ. And then I know that they always say that they feel strengthened, and sometimes it's difficult for me to see how they're strengthened, because one almost oftentimes looks at another as the one who's ministering to you, and it's a really great blessing to be able to have that fellowship with these churches, and especially the home church where those men came down. They came down from Beach Springs. Gary Silvers is one of the the deacons there. Eric McNelly and those men came down, and they were part of the the group that gave me a special interview and talked with me before I was ordained. And it was really just such a blessing then, and it's been a blessing also continuing to have fellowship with them. You know, you're talking about it being a two-way street. I want to take you to the book of John, chapter 15, about the vine and the fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. See, that's what you're doing. You're abiding in Christ. And so here this church is in Tennessee, and you have this two-way connection. You say, they're feeding me, but I don't understand how I feed them. Yes, you do. God doesn't have to have us. God can operate his work without us, but he permits us. And in doing so, that praise and honor goes back to him. Just like in heaven, when they gather around the throne, they're going to give praise and honor and glory to the one who sits on the throne and it's a two-way way of sharing. One more thing I wanted to share and are you to share is how people, your connection here in Northeast Mississippi, our headquarters for AFR, Tupelo, Mississippi, I was preaching at Kasuth Baptist Church. I was trying to learn how to say that last night. And Mr. and Ms. McCoy uh, from Corinth, Oakland Baptist Church, they came, and that's where I met you in making that connection. Isn't it neat? How a church like Oakland, whose pastor, Randy Bostic, is one of my best friends, and they come and we make that connection. You never know where those connections are going to happen, do you? <laughs> you never know. Never know. And the McCoys that have brought you, aren't you blessed by them? Very much so. And we met them just down there in Ecuador. They uh, came that way? They came that way. And, and they said, if you're ever up in our area, stop by? Yes, sir. <laughs> and you did. And I did. <laughs> okay. That, you know what that is? Gift of hospitality. Mm. What a gift. And do you see how missions works in, uh, hospitality works into mission? Oh, definitely. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? God uses all the gifts, all the abilities to carry his work throughout the world. Blake, I want to tell you what a blessing it is to have you today. Me too. And it's a joy to get to know you. And we want to tell you and give notice that the story is not over. Uh, Next week, if you can tune in next weekend, we're going to have part two of what God did in Blake's life. We heard about how God started 
but we're going to hear the story of what God continues to do in his life in the area of missions and letting his glory be seen throughout the earth. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. We pray that God would bless you richly, and we pray that you would bring God glory as you serve him. Thank you.